With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. You're with Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, folks, welcome aboard. It's four minutes past the hour of 9 p.m. on Tuesday night here on the East Coast of the United States. And you know what day and time it is wherever you are listening to the Steve Malzberg Show and in some cases watching the show. We have breaking news of uh, really humongous proportions uh, shortly before we, uh, we took to air the Colorado State Supreme Court ruled that Donald Trump cannot appear on the state's Republican presidential ballot, primary ballot, uh, because he violated the 14th Amendment, a section of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, which speaks to, um, well, insurrection, etc. We'll get to the particulars in a second. Now, this is a ploy. This is a trick. This is a gimmick that's been used by other states, attorneys general. Uh, they go to the courts. And every other state's highest court has basically said, nah, you're not, you can't keep him off the ballot. This is ridiculous. I mean, he's never been charged with insurrection. He's ever, obviously he's never been convicted of insurrection. He hasn't been, he's not indicted on insurrection. In all the court cases, nobody's charged him with that, that you know, insurrection. Yet the Colorado State Supreme Court, a four to three decision, even though all seven members were appointed by Democratic governors in the state of Colorado. Four to three decision decides Donald Trump can't be on the ballot. Now, what they did was they stayed their own decision until January 4th. And by then, the Supreme Court of the United States of America is going to be asked to weigh in on this. They're going to be asked to weigh in by Trump's people. They're going to go right to the Supreme Court with this. And the Supreme Court has to do something. If they say no and they let this stand, oh, which I can't imagine, they'll hear it. They'll make some kind of a emergency ruling because I think, you know, the, the primaries are coming up. I'm not sure when the date on the Colorado primary is, but never before has a court ruled that a presidential candidate may not be on the ballot under the 14th Amendment, Section 3, the insurrection clause, uh, quote unquote. Uh, so let me give you a little a little more here. They found that Trump is barred under this provision, which prohibits people who engaged in insurrection from running for office based on his actions surrounding the January 6, 2021 Capitol breach and subsequent riot riots. Uh, we conclude that because President Trump is disqualified from holding the office of president under Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, it would be a wrongful act under the election code for the secretary to list President Trump as a candidate on the presidential primary ballot. That's the opinion of the four to three majority. Um, Therefore, the secretary may not list President Trump's name on the 2024 presidential primary ballot, nor may she count any right in votes cast for him. Um, this is just incredible. This is just incredible. Um, 
Section three of the 14th Amendment, again, this doesn't even just speak to what he allegedly did on January 6th, where some have accused him of revving up the crowd when he spoke, and then some of them went to the the Capitol, and some of the ones who went to the Capitol committed violence, okay? This decision, from what I can make of it, from what I've heard of it, from what I'm reading so far, refers to events leading up to January 4th. In other words, they're sitting in judgment. They're making a decision that Donald Trump engaged in insurrection, which led to January 4th, which prosecutors, federal and state prosecutors, have not come to the same conclusion. You understand? I mean, to me, What gives them the right? I mean, I guess they have the right. They're a court. But based on what? And what am I going to say? Their opinion? I mean, everything's their opinion. But where does the law play into this? Where's the law? I mean, if he had been charged with it, that would be one thing. And, you know, what? Almost. Because he hasn't been found guilty. If he had been found guilty, again, by then probably we'd hear about it from the Supreme Court. But he has never been charged with this. This is left-wing lunacy that he did this. This is news media talk that he did this, that he was responsible for this, that he egged everybody on, that what he did leading up to it, the, the people he talked to, the speeches he made. I mean, give me a break. Really? Actually, what he said on that day was we go peacefully over to the Capitol. Peacefully is what he said. But that that's not uh, of interest to the four of the seven in the four to three decision. Again, all Democrats on that court, yet three of them saw the light, if you will. And the light has special significance to me tonight for various reasons the light um some people get that anyway um it's a little in-house joke nonetheless this is there's there's no way the supreme court's gonna let this stand it can't let it stand it can't let a court arbitrarily decide that yeah donald trump was responsible for january 6th trump's not on trial there's no evidence that's been presented i mean this is just crazy crazy stuff so uh, let me let you hear, you know, analysis that's more educated than me. And this is uh, Ellie Honig on CNN. Wolf Blitzer gets the news. Legal analyst, chief legal analyst on CNN, uh, uh, Ellie Honig. Uh, here's their exchange. Here is cut number 242. Uh, Ellie Honig, how stunning is this decision? Well, Wolf, this is a historic decision. It's a momentous decision. As the Supreme Court itself says, they are in uncharted territory here, but it's really important to keep in mind, this is not the last word here. This is almost certainly going up to the U.S. Supreme Court, which can review the decisions of a state Supreme Court. In fact, the Colorado Supreme Court anticipates that possibility. And for that reason, they put their own ruling on hold until January 4th, anticipating that it will go up to the Supreme Court. The practical consequence as it stands at this moment, though, is that Donald Trump will not be on the Colorado ballot in the race for president in 2024. The Supreme Court almost certainly will take this up. It's also important to keep in mind for the broader context, there have been dozens of these challenges filed across the country. And 
18 or so of them have either failed, been rejected, or been withdrawn by the plaintiff. So this is really an outlier. The Supreme Court is going to have the final say. The consequences here are, of course, enormous. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm glad, you know, even on CNN, he's being fair in his analysis and, and putting it in perspective and telling the whole what it means and how it's been dropped by uh, by other courts and others who are trying to do the same thing, who have tried to do the, uh, the same thing in other states. And here's more from uh, Wolf and his panel. Uh, cut number uh, 243. Norm Eisen, are you surprised by this decision? Um, well, Wolf, the law and the um, politics have collided. And in this instance, law has won. There's a logic to the decision. The 14th Amendment provides that insurrectionists may not hold office. The lower court found that Donald Trump had engaged in insurrectionist activity. That's consonant with what the January 6th committee found. Uh, and so the only question was, legally, did this apply to a president? The Supreme Court said it did. I think because of the earth-shaking nature of the holding, we thought that uh, politics might militate against it. But uh, the courts, as they should do, have put on blinkers and applied the Constitution. Now it'll be up to the Supreme Court to have the final word. Yeah, the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution says, and I'm quoting now, no person shall hold any office who, having previously taken an oath to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. Uh, pretty significant uh, 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> oh, th 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 thank you, Wolf. Wolf pretty uh, significant. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Um, yeah, uh, it, it is pretty significant, isn't it? Uh, and of course, when Eisen, Norm Eisen kept speaking about the Supreme Court interchangeably with the Supreme Court, meaning the Colorado Supreme Court who made this decision and the U.S. Supreme Court without distinguishing and saying Colorado or U.S., it might have gotten a little confusing. But where we are now is Trump's lawyers say we're going to appeal straight to the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court. And of course, the U.S. Supreme Court has to take this up. They must take this up. And I, I would be shocked with the makeup of the court uh, if uh, if this doesn't uh, get overturned, um, you know, or or in some manner put on hold until, you know, f for future or something. But uh, again, on its face, Don no one has ever accused officially under the law Donald Trump of doing what this court has said he did and is using that as a pretext, as a direct reason for for keeping him off of the ballot completely. You heard me say earlier, not even write in votes, nothing can't run for president in Colorado. It's 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 stunning news. It's late breaking news. I thank uh, Ben in production for getting those uh, two sound bites on late because uh, they were fed by me late. Um, and uh, again, thank you. And, and we'll keep an eye on this. We'll keep an eye on this. And tomorrow, uh, Professor Nicholas Giordano, 
um, will join us, and uh, there's nobody better than uh, him to talk about. We'll also later on in the show get the opinion of Mike McCormick, um, who has a book coming out on Joe Biden and, of course, was the stenographer for Biden and Obama and believes Joe Biden should be uh, impeached and put in jail. Uh, that's close to the name of the book. We'll talk about it at the bottom of the hour with him. But this is, uh, this is really stunning. I mean, the, the, this cannot be overstated how, how stunning this news is. Okay, bound to happen, though. You were bound to find four Democrat-appointed judges on one of these Democrat state Supreme Courts that were going to go along with this. I mean, it was only a matter of time, I think. Okay, but the media had just finished. I mean, this will take them off it for a little bit. Uh, but th- th- they just barely finished. Not really. Now they might be uh, going still going on with uh, the reaction to what Donald Trump said about uh, illegal immigrants poisoning the blood of this country, which we talked about at length yesterday. And on uh, CNN, we stick with CNN for a minute or two. Jake Tapper, um, you know, again, with all that's going on with with anti-Semitic attacks, people being physically assaulted in this country. Physically assaulted, business owners having their businesses raided, a a bunch of Palestinian protesters went into the Capitol today, into the rotunda. I think 60 or so were arrested. Isn't that an insurrection? You know, with all that's going on and all the anti-Semitism and all that, it's still Donald Trump who's the anti-Semite, who's responsible for all the anti-Semitism. It's just mind-boggling. Here is uh, Jake Tapper on CNN. It's cut number 235. And he uses the term poisoning the blood of our country, poisoning the blood of our country. If you were to open up a copy of Hitler's Mein Kampf, you would find the Nazi leader describing the mixing of non-Germans with Germans as poisoning. The Jew, Hitler wrote, quote, poisons the blood of others. This, according to Hitler, posed an existential threat to Germany because, quote, all great cultures of the past perished only because the originally creative race died out from blood poisoning, unquote. There's really no other way to say it. Donald Trump's language mirrors this directly. And this wasn't a one-off. Trump then went to Nevada on Sunday and Use the same scare tactic with zero evidence that migrants are largely coming to the United States from prisons and from mental institutions. He made the campaign promise to begin the largest deportation of undocumented immigrants in American history. Good. Good. Every illegal alien should be deported. Good. Oh, Jake Tapper doesn't like that. Hey, Jake, how about we find out where you live and put a flood of illegal immigrants, bus them there, fly them there, whatever, right on your street. Okay? See what tune you sing then. Why should illegal aliens who are here illegally be allowed to stay here? Why? Why? What, what's the reasoning there? That's awful to say? And again, Trump's Hitler, Trump's this, Trump's responsible for that because he said, give me a break. Just give me a break. Most of Americans, again, that's Trump saying it in his own way. It's not a dog whistle. He's not signaling anybody for anything. He's just saying things to be provocative. That's who Donald Trump has always been. Here's cut uh, more from Tapper, cut 236. We must use any and all resources needed 
to stop the invasion of our country, including moving thousands of troops currently stationed overseas in countries that don't like us. Strengthening the border is one thing. This is entirely another. Mr. Trump said he would remove migrants by, from the country by invoking part of the Alien and Sedition Acts. That's a set of quite constitutionally questionable laws from 1798 passed under the John Adams administration. Three of the four acts expired when Thomas Jefferson became president, except for a modified version of one, the Alien Enemies Act, which authorizes the president to detain, relocate, or deport non-citizens in times of war. And yes, this has been used and abused in modern times, including during World War II. Okay. All right. Well, at least he put it in a little perspective, you know, used and abused in his view, but at least he said it's been used before. Look, we are at a crisis in this country. If you look at the polls, the American public believe we are at a crisis in this country. People, as I've said before on this show, people... 12,000 illegal immigrants sneaking in, coming into this country in one day. And Kamala Harris will tell you, oh, the border is secure. Our Homeland Security Director, Mayorkas, will say, the border is secure. They're out of their minds. They want this. They want the destruction of our society as we know it. They want people living on the streets. They want illegals living in in school gymnasiums and throwing veterans out of hotels and motels to put illegals in. And they're enraging people. They're enraging the minority communities of the inner cities who have spoken out in organized fashion and said, what are you doing? What are you giving these people? Telephones, meals, you know, place to stay, expenses, this, that. And what are you giving us? Not only that, they're in their neighborhoods. They're, they're, out, they're sleeping on the streets. That's America. That's the America Barack Obama, Kamala Harris, and the progressive left envision. That's the America they envision. Donald Trump and those, and a majority of Americans do not envision that America. But Trump's a Nazi for saying all this. He's just Hitler. He's a Nazi. Um, let's go. I think we have one more, um, one more Jake Tapper and it's 237. We have seen Mr. Trump's words become calls to action on January 6th, 2021, of course. But don't forget the climate of the 2018 midterm elections. The Donald Trump Fox warnings about this caravan of migrants, terrifying migrants funded by George Soros, they said. It was rhetoric, mere words. But it dovetailed nicely with a very racist great replacement theory that Jews are funding migrants to come to the United States to replace the white people of the United States. It's a sick, twisted conspiracy theory. But they're just words, right? A conspiracy theory, just words. But they become, to some sick minds, calls to action. And right in the middle of that campaign, October 27th, 2018, the Tree of Life Synagogue Massacre, 11 Jews killed, the deadliest, deadliest attack on Jewish Americans in the United States history. But even that shooting did not stop Trump from continuing to <laughs> fuel these deranged rumors. Just days later, he suggested that 
wealthy financier, George Soros, who is Jewish, may have been actually paying for the migrant caravan. Folks, it, 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 it's disgusting. It's vile. It's vulgar. It's vicious. And I don't want to tell you what I think their ultimate goal is. I don't want to tell you what I think their ultimate goal is. I'll just say this. They, and when I say they, I mean Jake Tapper, I mean almost every member of the leftist media, and I don't know how high it goes, okay? But if something were to happen to Donald Trump, what, would they cry over Hitler's death, the new Hitler? Or would they laugh it up in their green rooms and their, their newsrooms and, and production meetings? What do you think? They'd cry? They'd be sad? They'd be shocked? They'd be stunned? They're the same ones who tell you that anybody who ever said anything about Nancy Pelosi has blood on their hands because of what some nut did to Pelosi's husband. Well, what would you have on your hands, Jake Tapper, and all the rest of you on the left? If God forbid something happened to Donald Trump, what would you have on your hands? We'd have democracy stains. We'd have red, white, and blue democracy stains. Because this means democracy has been saved. These are sick people. They would never say that. But I think that's what they believe. I mean, what's the purpose here? Who are you convincing at this point? Who are you convincing? You talk about Donald Trump saying things that all it takes is one nut to do, 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 do. And all you do is say things. So, Jake, all it takes is one nut to believe you and what you're saying. Okay? Does that stop you? No. No. Why not, Jake? Why not MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, uh, the, the rest of you, all of you? This is dangerous territory, and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And you're trying to blame synagogue attacks and, and anti-Semitism specifically on Donald Trump, who yesterday we had Shmuley Boteik, the rabbi from the United States on, who said that it's, it's vulgar, it's, it's vomit-inducing to accuse Trump of being an anti-Semite. Trump, who did more than Israel for any president, I think Nixon had a lot to do too, he's up there, uh, who had, gave a, a, a Jewish wedding to his daughter who married an Orthodox Jew and has Orthodox Jewish grandchildren, him? He's trying to have Jews killed? They, they know no shame. They know no shame. This Jake Tapper is the same clown who during this, I think, the second impeachment, one of Trump's lawyers on the floor of the Senate during the impeachment trial had to leave early because it was Friday night. So he had to leave for the Sabbath. And Jake Tapper mocked him. And basically what he said was, you're a Jew and you're going to go read the Torah. And yet you, you, you represent Donald Trump. In other words, you can't do that and be both. They're sick, twisted people, and what they're doing is dangerous. All right, folks, uh, we are going to uh, actually one more, one more. Caitlin Collins, CNN. Here is cut 238. The man who is leading the Republican field's amped up immigration rhetoric is now invoking the same terms that were once used by Adolf Hitler. 
In Mein Kampf, Hitler wrote, the Jew, and I'm quoting him here, poisons the blood of others. Trump has used that line before and other phrases like it that echo Nazi rhetoric, but it should be noted that as you can see there, he is reading off a teleprompter, meaning that he knew exactly what he wanted to say. Yeah, okay. He's Hitler. Again, he's Hitler. Hitler once said, and now Trump said, oh, forget, forget the people attacking Jews in this country right now. Trump is the threat to Jews. These are sick, twisted people, dangerous people. I'm telling you, I'm taking the spotlight off of the problem and accusing Trump of what he's not guilty of. Not good in this time, unprecedented time in which we live. All right, we're going to come back. Steve Malzberg, we are here on TNT. Sometimes life can be overwhelming and suicide may seem like the only way to relieve the pain. Beyond Now is an evidence-based app created by Beyond Blue to help you cope when suicidal thoughts start to appear. You can use it to create an easy-to-follow plan that is personal to you and includes steps like know your warning signs so you can act early, make your environment safe by removing harmful items, activities you can do or people you can be with to distract yourself from suicidal thoughts, reminders of things that make you feel strong, some of these steps might be tough to fill out, and that's okay. It can be helpful to make or share your safety plan with a trusted friend, family member, or mental health professional. You might feel like you're alone, but help is available. If you're worried you can't stay safe, use the red telephone icon to call your emergency contacts. Download the free Beyond Now app today to create your personal safety plan. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments. We turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide the news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. They face exponential risks and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked in the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Je que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. Internet crimes against children in New Mexico are real. And when it comes to protecting your children, the New Mexico AG's office and the ICAC unit are on the front lines. I'm New Mexico Attorney General Hector Balderas. 
There's nowhere to hide for online predators in New Mexico. We are working tirelessly using state-of-the-art technology and resources to seek out and find them wherever they are. Please talk to your children about the dangers that exist online, social media, games, and messenger apps. It's always important to know who you're talking to. Help fight online predators in New Mexico by submitting a tip today. Now I want to say this, and I'm going to say it just once. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I welcome you back. And I welcome back uh, our guest who has been with us uh, several times. I'm happy to say uh, we are now about a week away from his book uh, being available to everybody. And that's the one and only Mike McCormick, former uh, Obama stenographer and the author of the uh, forthcoming book, The Case to Impeach and Imprison Joe Biden. Of course, you could also read his uh, Substack, Midnight in the Laptop of Good and Evil. Mike, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Steve. Thanks for having me back on. It's my pleasure. So, I mean, there, you know, a, a lot's been going on with with the impeachment inquiry and, of course, Hunter Biden. And I want to get to all that. But first, I'd like your reaction to the really unprecedented uh, uh, state Supreme Court decision out of Colorado, the four to three decision that um, has been stayed by the very court that made the decision uh, pending uh, probably this U.S. Supreme Court uh, overruling them. But nonetheless, that because he's guilty of insurrection under the 14th Amendment, Section 3, Donald Trump cannot run for president in Colorado. He can't be on the ballot in the primaries. He can't get right in votes, nothing. This is a warped, warped decision by a biased court. I was out there uh, listening to Donald Trump's speech on January the 6th. I stood across the street from the ellipse on the grounds of the Washington Monument. People drove, the, the guy that I was with drove in all night from Indiana to be there. I had never met him before. I picked him up at a hotel. We got coordinated through a mutual friend on LinkedIn. We drove in, we walked our way there. People were, we talked to some people that had been on a bus all night from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. People were really fraught with worry over the, the con concern about the stolen election. And it was stolen. And it was a demonstration. It wasn't an insurrection. What people got to realize about that day was Donald Trump started his speech an hour late, and because he started his speech an hour late, whatever was coordinated at the, at the uh, uh, Capitol started before he was done talking. The, sh the, the shenanigans that were perpetuated by uh, actors, um, deep state actors, started before he was done talking. And so all of a sudden, it was like we were watching, and all of a sudden, people started leaving 20, 20, 25 minutes before the end of the speech. And I could hear people behind me with two-way radio con uh, signals. And I was like, what is going on? And so he goes to this thing. They, he, he speeches. And, and the whole time people have been telling me it's an insurrection, I remember clearly him saying, you're going to walk peacefully and patriotically yep. to the, to yep. the uh, Capitol and make your voices heard. And I was like, no, absolutely. You, there, you didn't hear because the press didn't, they didn't report it. So um, I didn't go to the Capitol. The guy I was with didn't want to go. I had things to do. We heard about it. I heard about it on the radio. It was a terrible day. It was awful what happened. They're still fighting to get to the truth. It's just disgusting 
what the operatives in the Democratic Party did that day. And a lot of Republicans were in on it, too. Um, Donald Trump's fighting back as best he can. This court ruling won't stand. The people will see right through it. And, you know, it's just one more hand grenade. They lob at him. He picks it up and he'll throw it back. And it's just he's just going to keep going. His momentum is building. There's no stopping uh, the America First movement. There really isn't after they, this desperation thing they're throwing at him. Yeah, four four out of seven Democrat appointed judges uh, on on the court. Well, we'll see. Obviously, it, uh, the Supreme Court of the United States has to take it up. That's the intention of the Colorado State Supreme Court by by putting a stay until January fourth. It gives about uh, two weeks or so uh, for the uh, Supreme Court to to weigh in. Let's uh, turn our attention, shall we, to what we've seen and what we've heard. Um, I was. Not surprised because nothing surprises me anymore, Mike. But um, when Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden uh, spit in the face of a, a congressional subpoena and showed up for a one man uh, show, I won't say a press conference because he didn't take questions, but uh, a one man uh, presser uh, outside the Capitol. Uh, stating that uh, he was willing to go into an open session. Well, you weren't subpoenaed for an open session. And I think these couple of cuts I'm going to play are, are, are so telling and so key. And again, if we had a real media or if this was Donald Trump Jr. or if this was, um, um, you know, another Trump child, uh, the media would have gone absolutely nuts. But I want you to hear this is uh, Corrine. Uh, I, I want to do uh, here cut uh, 188. This is Corrine Jean-Pierre um, talking about Biden, Joe Biden, and if he knew what his son had planned. Here's cut 188. He said that President Biden was familiar with what his son was going to say on Capitol Hill. If I called my dad and said, I am about to violate a congressional subpoena, he'd probably say, son, you shouldn't do that. Was there any attempt by President Biden to talk Hunter out of it today? You're going to call your dad Steve? I'm dad, usually. <laughs> <laughs> Look, um, I don't have anything else to add. The president was familiar with what um, Hunter was going to say today. Uh, and, uh, you know, Look, he's proud of his son. He and the First Lady are proud of his son, how he's rebuilding his life back. He's going to focus on what is needed on the American people. Hunter, and I've said this many times, is a private citizen. And so certainly I would have to refer you to, um, uh, to his representatives. I'm just not going to get into private conversations because what you're asking me is actually a private conversation. I'm just not going to First briefing since Hunter was indicted again in Los Angeles. Why doesn't President Biden just pardon him? President, I've been very clear. The president's not going to pardon his son. Okay, so first of all, the president knew what his son was going to say. So the president of the United States, I'm just playing a game here. You tell me. I'm not a lawyer. I don't think you're a lawyer, but we could make believe here. The president of the United States knew that his son, I mean, it's not like he was skipping out of the country, but knew that his son was going to violate uh, a subpoena from the United States Congress. Um and and did nothing about it. In fact, was loves his son and sticks by him and was proud of him. What does that say? I mean, is that impeachable? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know what I know about Joe Biden is he he had to tell his son don't 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 follow that subpoena because uh, they're going to get you and you're going to get me because Joe Biden is the actual 
uh, mastermind of the Burisma kickback scheme, and I've got evidence of that in the book coming out. And, you know, Hunter knows that. Hunter's been covering for his dad since that whole thing started. He's been covering for his dad for decades, really. But, and they've been covering for each other. But uh, in this particular um, case where Hunter is under investigation for what happened with Burisma, for what happened with the Chinese, for what happened with uh, uh, the Romanians, you know, Joe's on the hook, and I've got the evidence in this book coming out, absolutely do have irrefutable evidence, and people will see it soon enough, and then we'll have a whole discussion about why Joe Biden can't go and talk to the, to the people because they'll ask him questions that he can't answer. He's a criminal. Joe Biden is a criminal. That's what the evidence says. But, but Mike, you've, you've had this evidence all along. I'm not diminishing. I can't wait to read the book. And I think everybody should get the book. Don't get me wrong. But you've been offering, if not all of this, some of this evidence to the FBI, to the DOJ, and they haven't given you the time of day. What does that tell you? Well, that's, that's a whole portion of the book is I talk about all the steps that I took to get it into somebody's hands. And uh, it tells me that we have to bring this case to the court of public opinion. That's what I'm doing right now. And, you know, the next step after the court of public opinion is shaming the DOJ, this specifically special counsel David Weiss, into saying, yeah, you do have to come and testify because your evidence is irrefutable. And we can't, we can't abide by our system ignoring evidence of a Joe Biden crime any longer. And they're going to have to have me in there. Well, that's going to be very interesting. And I, that, that, I would pay to see that. I really would. Let me let you listen to something Jen Psaki, of course, the former Biden White House spokesperson, uh, before the self-proclaimed historic figure, uh, the lesbian black Karine Jean-Pierre took over. Um, and she said something very interesting about Hunter and Hunter holding that, that presser. Here's cut 216. Jen Psaki, you had this surprise press conference by Hunter Biden. Did it help or did it hurt? Look, I think if you're sitting in the White House right now, you're like, please, Hunter Biden, we know your dad loves you. Please stop talking in public. Um, This is not helpful to any of them for him to be out there. But at the same time, the president loves his son. That takes precedent over anything else. That is appealing. I'm thinking of the woman in your focus group who talked about family. He loves his son. He loves Mm. his family. He's worried about his mental health. But yes, the White House would like him to probably go away. (laughs) <laughs> well, That's if the White House would like up. him to go away, why did the White House allow him to, you know, and Joe knew everything he was going to say? Why didn't they put the kibosh on that? And do you think, I mean, I, I heard just today or yesterday, uh, 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 Hunter's back in the White House. I mean, they say he's a private citizen. He doesn't act like a private citizen. But do you think he'll say more or do you think this is it until, uh, you know, court time? Well, I'll, I'll go back to Jen Psaki because I used to work with Jen. Uh, very closely. She was a big part of the um, Obama press office behind the scenes. So our office worked closely with her. I know her fairly well. Um, always smiled, always friendly. There's a real edge in her voice if you listen to that uh, soundbite. She's worried, and, the, and she reflects the fear and worry that is right now behind the scenes in the Obama White House. And let me tell you about Jen Psaki. She's not a, a Biden guy, person. She's an Obama person. There's a huge difference there. So she's an Obama Democrat who's trying to cover for a Biden foolish 
absolute foolishness by both Bidens, Hunter and Joe, and she's struggling with it. That's what's happening behind the scenes in the Democratic Party right now. They don't know what to do with their problem president and their problem first son. And Joe is Joe. He's going to stand by Hunter until the whole thing unravels. And yep. it's unraveling. Yep. And, you well, know, they, they don't have anything to do. They can't hide him far enough away. And Joe's going to pretend he can overcome this out in public. He can't. It's not only that, you know, uh, there was a, one of the I have some cuts uh, from uh, one of the shows talking about how Biden doesn't uh, Axios Axios reported that Biden goes around telling everybody, you know, I, I feel a lot younger than I am. And uh, it gets down to his schedule. But I want you to hear Andy McCarthy on Fox talking about uh, the CEFC, the Chinese uh, company, and how this this could be. Big, big trouble. I'd love your opinion on that. There's a couple of cuts here, but so let's listen first to 239. The story of CEFC, which was this basically Chinese regime intelligence operation that was kind of masqueraded as a, a global energy conglomerate, but was really part of China's uh, Belt and Road Initiative. They had dealings with the Bidens that went back to 2015 uh, while Joe Biden was vice president. And the information that's been reported that's come out about that is that they started to trade on the Biden name while Joe Biden was vice president. There was right after he got out of office in around March of 2017, there was a three million dollar payment, one million of which went to the Bidens. Uh, then they discussed this deal that was going to involve the Biden family, not just Hunter, but Jim Biden and Joe Biden as well. And I want you to hear the, the next cut as well, because it's, it's key. Then I'll get your take on it. Uh, the cut 240. They were going to pay them $10 million a year just for introductions, mm. or they were going to go into this energy infrastructure business, which might be much more lucrative and have a 50-50 split. That's where we heard the famous stuff about 10% for the big guy. It's in connection with those transactions. And that's the same transaction where Hunter Biden uh, has the, the WhatsApp message where he says, I'm sitting here with my dad and basically where's the money? And within a few days, the Chinese pay five million dollars. And it's in that connection that Hunter takes a four hundred thousand dollar slice of that. And 10 percent ultimately does get to the big guy. He, he pays part of it uh, to Jim Biden. And within a short period of time, a check for forty thousand dollars gets written from the Biden's personal account to uh, now President Biden. But but Mike, yeah, there's no evidence. That's all, that's all I keep hearing. There's no evidence. So how how yeah. devastating is the uh, the, the whole uh, CEFC issue? Well, I got to tell you, the best reporting on CEFC that you're going to hear is with the uh, Marco Polo group. They've got report on the Biden laptop. It is it's you can read it for free online. Go to report on the Biden laptop. Marco Polo Group uh, is the anti-corruption nonprofit that gave me the laptop. And they've dug into that laptop with such ferocity that it is, their, their report is infallible. They've list over 400 violations of American law done by Hunter Biden, a, lot, a few of them by Joe Biden, not as many, mostly by Hunter. Most of them are Farah. And there's a lot of Man Act violations and his associates. They go so deep in the CEFC stuff that there's no way 
that anyone would be able to read that and say, no, this isn't, this is evidence. It's complete evidence. It's completely done. So that's the report on the Biden laptop. That's what the uh, oversight committee staffers are using. They're using that as their guide to do their investigation. And they're getting there. Now, um, the oversight committee has done a great job interviewing a lot of people. They're starting to get to the bottom of it. And that's where this, uh, that WhatsApp um, in evidence came through. So they're really starting to make some headway and pull, pull the skins of the onion off. But this book that I have coming out, it's something that they're going to want to listen to as well. I think I may be talking well, to the I, oversight committee people pretty soon. I, I, you let me know when that happens, my friend. The book, of course, The Case to Impeach and Imprison Joe Biden. When is that? Tell, how could folks on Amazon and everywhere where they could get books? Yeah, I did. Uh, today we did the final um, walkthrough of, uh, I did final approval. It's going to be live on Amazon and I think Barnes & Noble in, in 48 hours. So uh, Wonderful. I'll let you know. Very as exciting. I, as soon as it comes out, I'll let you know. Maybe we'll talk again next week. V very exciting. And that's Mike McCormick, of course. And check out his Substack, uh, which is the um, uh, Midnight in the Laptop of Good and Evil. Mike, I wish you a Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Great success with the book. We'll, we will talk. I don't want to make it sound like I'm not going to talk to you for, for, for months. We'll talk soon. God willing, uh, stay safe and, uh, and keep, keep us all abreast of what's going on. Thanks, Steve. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and all the guys at TNT. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Mike. Okay. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have one final segment left in the hour. I know you couldn't have guessed that in a million years. Uh, we'll come right back. Steve Malzberg right here on TNT. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. If by some unimaginable impossibility you're still trying to determine whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, ask yourself the following questions. Did you favor the Baphomet statue being erected at the Iowa State Capitol? Did you enjoy the school board swearing in on a stack of child pornography books? Do you find nothing objectionable about a homosexual sex tape being recorded in a Senate hearing room and posted online? And finally, did you just love the transgender nutcracker down a hallway hideously decorated by Dr. Jill Biden for Christmas at the White House? If the answer to one or more of these questions is yes, you might be a Democrat. In fact, you're definitely a Democrat. As for the rest of us, if you doubted that, in the words of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, this next election is the choice between normal and crazy, wonder no more. Last week said it all. From AgInstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Last week, Brandon met a girl on a dating app. One day after work, he finally found the courage to ask her out. No answer. He started to panic. Was he being too pushy? Maybe it was too... Hey, sorry I didn't respond. I was driving. I would love to go on a date. How does tonight sound? Brandon tried to play it cool, but inside he knew. A girl so smart, so responsible. She must be a keeper. Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget... Uh, 
Follow me on Twitter at Steve M Talk, and you could also uh, follow me on Facebook. Again, facebook.com slash Steve M Talk, Instagram, Steve M Talk. You get the picture. Um, again, tomorrow, Nicholas Giordano. Uh, will join us, a political science professor and uh, podcast host. And again, there's nobody better qualified to talk about what they did to Trump today, what they're trying to do to Trump in Colorado, what the Supreme Court might do, um, a, a whole bunch of issues, a whole bunch of issues. Uh, the the, uh, the Attorney General of the United States has been subpoenaed. We'll tell you who who subpoenaed him and 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 how to. How do the uh, Palestinian supporters invading the capital today compare to the January? Now, there was no violent breaking windows and all that stuff, but they didn't belong in there and they got arrested. So is that an insurrection or is it only an insurrection when Trump supporters do it? A lot of questions to ask Nicholas Giordano. Um, you know, I saw you know where I saw. I mean, he's been on with us before, obviously. But you know where I saw him the other day? He was on Gutfeld on Fox. He was on Gutfeld. He did great. He was fantastic. Okay, so let's uh, go. I I want you to hear this. This is, um, I mentioned Axios. Uh, They have a report about Joe Biden and denying his age, not denying how old he is, but how old he feels and the schedule and what's involved. So uh, here is a a gentleman from Axios, uh, Alex Thompson, uh, speaking on um, the morning show on CNN. Here's cut 233. When you talk about tension on the team, what does that lead to internally in the West Wing? You know, it really leads to a clash over the schedule in particular, because this is sort of where they think that things can go awry. Essentially, a lot of aides have that I've talked to have been struck that Biden behind closed doors repeatedly says, you know, I feel so much younger than my age. And he says it so often and with such real sincerity that there has become this tension where he ends up overextending himself, that basically aides feel that he does not know his own physical limitations. And that he tries to do too much. And, you know, that has this, you know, adverse effect where he ends up wearing himself out. So even though he is doing more events, he actually presents as more tired, which is then how you get these poll numbers that show that over 70 percent of voters have serious concerns about him doing a second term. Oh, he's doing so much that when he's out in public, he presents himself. He presents as tired, and that's why the public, overwhelming. That's why he has the lowest poll numbers in history for a first-term president at this time in his first term, who's running for re-election. Oh, that explains it. He's so full of energy that he tires himself out, or he thinks he's so full of energy. He's so competent. He's so cognitively um, uh, capable and physically fit that he actually tires himself out. He does so much and he presents people kind of pick up that he's tired, but it's not that he's really tired. He's just doing superhuman amount of work. Give me a break. Please just give me a break. And then uh, Jill Biden, you know, the professor, did I say professor? Doctor, sorry, doctor, Dr. Jill. See, say Broadway. Yeah, that Dr. Jill. Uh, who gave us the White House Christmas Nutcracker Suite video with the dancers who belong to the organization that want to uh, do away with prisons and police. That Dr. Jill. Okay, Uh, I've always felt that she's his wife. She should be saying, hey, Joe, 
you can't run again. You know, why don't you just spend out, you've served your whole life. Why don't you just spend time with your family? Now, I believe, I believe, I have no, just my opinion. She loves being first lady. She doesn't want to give it up. Are you kidding? And be just be old Dr. Jill again? No, 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 no. She loves the travel, the perks, the this, the that. Are you kidding me? So here is uh, the same crew talking about Jill Biden's role in all this. 234. Jill Biden has an extraordinary amount of influence over the president's schedule. Now, it's usual for first ladies to keep uh, you know, an eye on the schedule. It is not so normal for a first lady to be crafting the presidential schedule. And part of it is because her role is really that of a protector. And she recognizes that the president, going back to that moment in that memoir, can overextend himself. Now, when when Joe Biden wrote that, he was in his early 70s. Now, at this point, she is very involved in making sure that he gets enough rest. She's also been pushing him on his diet, trying to get him to eat more fish um, and, and salmon and a little bit less junk food. You know, she is very much in this role of making sure that the president, who is the oldest president ever, is staying healthy, getting enough rest and being able to present as vigorous going into this reelection. Well, if you want him to eat more fish, why don't you take him to a bodega? Isn't that how she pronounced bodega to a to a, a Hispanic crowd? The same time she said, "See, si, say Broadway." Yeah, the bodega. <laughs> take Joe to a bodega and get him some salmon. That's all it's going to take. I think if you start eating salmon at eighty years old, then. He'll live forever. He won't fall down. He won't fall asleep while he talks. He won't forget things. He won't make things up. All he had to do was eat salmon. Now, what does this mean for the ice cream cone? See, that's the key question in all this. How many times have we seen Joe, you know, eating the ice cream cone? Oh, Mr. President, what flavor is that, Mr. President? <sighs> So just <laughs> how she, she's whoever it is that screams those questions often. That's how she sounds. I got to admit. Anyway, let's hope it doesn't mean the end of the ice cream cone. Let's hope they don't sacrifice the ice cream cone for the fish, which is salmon fish of choice. Folks, Jason Olborn is next. You know it. I know it. We all know it. Tomorrow, God willing, same time, same place, 9 p.m., Eastern time. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, because even those who would disagree with me, I always love listening to people I disagree with more than the people I agree with. So you might be giving them a treat. You don't know. All right, folks. So uh, have a good night and day and whatever, whatever it is for you. And I'll see you tomorrow right here, by the way, on TNT.